Hi, I'm Frankie Frayne, and I've been making movies since I was a kid. I've made three low-budget feature films of varying success, and I went to film school. Twice. For better or worse, I've developed a science for completing feature-length projects on pocket change, and it has a lot to do with the kinds of conversations you'll hear on this podcast with teachers, friends, and artists. You don't have to pay 40 grand a year for bad advice. This is Discount Film School. All right, this has been uh, too much of a sausage fest. Uh, we've had one girl in 12 episodes. Unacceptable. Uh, we're bringing in uh, Maya Murphy, who I worked with on Sexually Frank, the most recent film that I made. Um, and she was uh, actually pretty much all of her scenes were with me. So she had to work with an amateur actor like myself when she's uh, she's had her nose to the grindstone for the last. What, how many years now, Maya, have you been kind of at this thing? Let's see. I graduated in 2009. Then I went straight into summer stock on Cape Cod and definitely been working at it full time since then. Not always in the right direction. You, you, were, you started out as a theater kid? Yes, I did. I think I think most everyone does. Uh, that's ignoring the women who are models who want to get into acting. Those people drive me crazy. But the, that's where the good acting training is, is in theater school. But I've actually found that the casting in theater pigeonholed me a lot more than the casting in film. I have the blessing of being a tall girl. So in real life, I look attractive. But in theater, I am taller than all the boys who can sing or dance. And that puts me in a bit of a box. But in film, if I'm too tall, well, hell, they fix the camera angle. They make the man stand, stand on an apple box, and it's perfect. They just Tom Cruise you. Yeah, absolutely. I haven't had to walk in a trench yet, though. Yeah, no, it's not not nearly as much of a problem. I wonder it, you, now you make me wonder like how many tall female actresses are there out there in film that we we don't even really consider them tall. Who, it is my dream job to be Uma Thurman's stand-in since we are both lanky and blonde. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Uma Thurman six feet tall. Yes, yeah, she is. Wow. I mean, I always thought I I do think of her as tallish, but six uh, feet. Yeah, wow. And, six. There's a lot of her. And Sigourney is six feet. Yes, she is. Holy moly. I got my first lead in a play in third grade. The play was The Big Stone at Lexington Montessori School, and it was some morality play bullshit about the... Well, it was written as the king, but it was cast as the queen because it was a hippy-dippy school. Um, she, she had to leave the kingdom and find someone fit to rule for a while, so she set up a problem, and she found someone who solved the problem the best way, and they all learned a lesson. And I really like that. So then I started doing youth theater in my hometown. Ch children's theater. Children's theater. Youth theater sounds much more pretentious, though. I like the sound of that. Um, and then it started out with, like, theater-oriented summer camp. And then it was actually kick-your-ass summer theater programs where, you know, rehearse 12 hours a day, go to sleep, wake up, do it again. And I loved it. And I thought it was very funny because I spent two summers at uh, Walnut Hill Summer Theater in Natick in high school. Natick, Massachusetts, for, for those of us around the country. And a bunch of the people got upset that it wasn't more like summer camp. They were upset that we were rehearsing all day. And I was like, are you kidding? This is great. And that's not when I first started to enjoy it, but it's when I first started to realize that I took this very seriously and I wanted to work on it. Like, I thought about wanting to be an actor. For a while, I wanted to be a stop-motion animator, and that was just, like, the worst thing my mother had ever heard. So what, what, what age uh, did you go to that camp? 
Uh, well, Walnut Hill was when I was 14, but I guess my first lead to play was when I was eight. And that's when my eyes got all big and gooey. And I was like, this is fun. I like this. But people were, so when you went to that camp, that was the time that you were like, I'm excited about the prospect of working on it. And I'm noticing that other people kind of still consider it play. Yes. Yes. I think that's when I made the distinction that I wanted to pursue that as a career seriously. Were you watching performances in film or in theater? Were you starting to like gain an appreciation for that? And and if so, what were they? I'm very spoiled. My parents very much enjoy theater and they took me to New York City like once or twice a year starting when I was in middle school. So I remember I saw the Broadway revival of Cabaret in eighth grade with my dad and there were a couple scenes that were scandalous enough that he was like, we're not going to tell mom about that, right? I just remember being mesmerized. I I love musical theater. I fell in love with the musical Sweeney Todd, which is about uh, eating people, for those of us paying attention at home. And I've just had so many people go, well, musical theater is very, you know, little Susie Cream Cheese and the horror movies you like are over here. But seeing a, a musical that makes you deal with Nazis and the Holocaust and makes you sick to your stomach is very exhilarating for me. It, it combines the dramatic effect I tend to love from film with, you know, you still have the singing and the dancing and the fun of live performance. Um, I, I wandered. I saw that on Broadway. I saw the 2003 revival of Assassins with Neil Patrick Harris and Michael Cerveris and Dennis O'Hare, with whom I am in love. Anyone who watches True Blood knows him as Russell K. Edgington. Oh, yeah, he is yeah. amazing. Um, and no, I, I, I am very lucky. Also, my... One of the movies I was allowed to watch over and over again as a child was the, I think it was a PBS recording or something when they made an, uh, a film with most of the cast from the Broadway production of the time of Pirates of Penzance with Kevin Kline and Angela Lansbury and Linda Ronstadt. And I've seen that like 200 times. It, it's, it's uh, I feel like it's maybe less uncommon now because I, I feel like the Book of Mormon um really kind of solidified a place in the mainstream for what you're talking about with Sweeney Todd, which is subverting that which was um, established as being wholesome or family. Uh, and, and, and I feel like it was the same thing with me with filmmaking where, you know, it was like the, the, the first time I saw, I want to, you know, as early as the Simpsons where you're like, Oh, it's an, it's a cartoon for adults. It's something that was supposed to be, you know, that that's traditionally family, uh, in a, you know, in a more mature package. So I think that's interesting that that, I feel like that, that theme keeps coming up as the more and more I talk to people of like, uh, subverting family entertainment where you go, Oh, if, if that's allowed and then maybe I can do that too. Well, I think it's also, wait, I can continue to enjoy this medium after I'm 12 years old. Yeah. 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 So it sounds like that kind of covers high school more or less. And you're going like, this is definitely where I want to be. Do you want to be, I mean, in during the year in high school, I was, taking dance class at a dance studio in the next town over for mine. I was in acapella group. I was starring in the musicals. I was in chamber choir. I was taking chorus. I was just immersing myself in everything that was vaguely related. My parents have been very supportive, and my dad started reading these musical theater college forums online, and the conclusion we arrived at was, if you were serious, you got a BFA. So then my senior year of high school... I was touring around the East Coast every weekend auditioning for different college BFA programs because I needed a BFA in musical theater. That's mm -hmm. what I was told. So I auditioned for 
Oh, God. 14 schools, maybe? 13 or 14? I don't remember them was, all. Was one of them my, uh, my alma mater, Emerson College? I did audition for Emerson College, and it was very funny because they... They just seemed like they were impressed, but also didn't know what to do with me. And that's also part of my problem in musical theater. I'm young, and I'm pretty, and I'm blonde, but I am sassy as all hell, so I'm never going to be the soprano love interest because I'm not going to sound all dewy and doe-eyed as some girl who's actually a little less sardonic than me. We uh, the, the, the filmmakers at Emerson were all really surprised because we were like, they had to audition to be here? <laughs> <laughs> we were like, we didn't have to do that. We sent in some crap. Well, the best part is you're auditioning for these programs that allow in between 8 and 12 kids in your major, and you're there with hundreds of other people. So you're sizing up all these other people in the audition rooms, and it was very, it was a very strange experience. I got into the BFA programs at Ithaca. I got waitlisted and eventually accepted at Elon. I... Oh, I think I got in somewhere else, but I don't remember. I ended up going to Ithaca College for the Musical Theater BFA program, and it was not the right place for me by any stretch of the imagination, and it was immediately apparent to the other kids in my class who didn't hang out with me. Nothing wrong with them. They're lovely people. I stay in touch with many of them, but I was spending all my free time hanging out with the kids in the music and film departments, and that made sense to me, and those are the people I could network with and get jobs out of after I graduated, and this was looked upon as a weakness, and I thought it was very strange. Who, who looked upon it as a weakness? My professors, and it was, it was it was very strange to me. It was very strange. I mean, like I I said I spent all my time doing musical theatery things in high school, but I was also taking all honors classes. I'm a big bookworm, and I think that being more worldly and reading things and taking classes that are about things that aren't acting can inform you as an actor. It was really weird because I, I remember, um, like I said, we were like, wow, they auditioned. And sure enough, when I did end up working with some BFA acting students, they all were good. Like across the board, they all were good. And um, it was really strange to, uh, obviously every film student thinks that thinks their stuff is good, but we think we think everybody else's stuff is crap. So we knew we were at least in a department full of bad filmmakers. And it was weird to like throw, you know, if you talk to any one of the BFA acting students, they all were at least a certain level of good or they at least were all workable. Why do you think they put actors through that kind of screening when they don't do any, do that to really any of the arts? There are so, so many of us. And I think the, Oh, I think the most recent statistic is if you're looking at the, the stage union, actors' equity, I think it's 13% of equity actors make over $15,000 a year from acting. Mm. It is already full of so much rejection and just a lack of jobs. If everyone who wanted to major in acting majored in acting, there there wouldn't be enough professors. There wouldn't be a, a system for it. Granted, I the rest of my story is I, I transferred colleges. I transferred to a liberal arts college. I went to Sarah Lawrence, which doesn't audition, but they um It's an excellent school. It's it's an excellent school. I think we've we just got rated number one professors by Princeton. Mm-hmm. Um and for every academic class you take, you have to write a thesis alongside in addition to your regular classwork. And I loved it. It was great. But I could also take studio acting. The major difference with the department there, though, is they encouraged you to be uh, interdisciplinary. At Ithaca, I asked if I could study costume design. And that was like saying, 
oh, well, you might not be really committed if you want to study costuming. Whereas at Sarah Lawrence, they're like, yeah, you can act in a main stage. You can costume design a main stage. You can take playwriting because that's what's going to help you make your own work. Yeah, it, 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 it sounds like Ethica was being absurd. I mean, at Emerson, um, you know, I, I work there, so I talk to professors to this day and I talk to, um, you know, the, the administrators all the time. And the president has said this, you know, a number of times, which is like we – we expect the 18-year-olds will come in here thinking they're going to be the next Spielberg. We expect that many of them will not be, uh, but we still want them all to succeed and do well. So for that reason, we want to have things like a business program so that they can become distributors or they can you know, work on the business side of film or we still want them to work in film. Um, so showing them more outlets is, is only a positive thing. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and I will say... I've been fortunate enough to continue making work and I I shamelessly network about it and all the social media hoo-ha, but I've had classmates from Ithaca and Sarah Lawrence both write me and go, it looks like you're always working. Can you tell me what you do? And I will say it's all the business side. I am not the most talented person for my graduating class. I'm not, hands down. But I take classes in how to promote myself and how mm -hmm. to make connections and I'm always, always, always networking and... That's where I've gotten more than half of the gigs I've landed in the past couple months. It's it's huge. It's it's huge. It is so huge. I've learned more about film distribution and back end and VOD than I ever. You know, I went into this wanting to make fart jokes on a camera, and it it, it it's just if you you know you either have to make that decision to learn that side of it or get out of it. I don't want to speak poorly of either of my alma maters, but. Some people are very averse to that because it's not the craft. And I would love to be in a position where I don't have to worry about the business end of it. If I could just practice the craft all day long and have my bills paid, that'd be great. But how much of that do you think is is people who are from the way it used to be, where you didn't have as many self-promoting opportunities? Talking like about people my age, they have no excuse. Oh, you're saying that sometimes they discourage it as well because i can see professors maybe no no none of my professors have ever said anything like that but i have mm. i've known several actors like well i'm only going to do stage i'm only going to do shakespeare i'm only going to do serious work and i'm like you know i i'm really proud of the indie films i've been doing i'm really proud of some of the stage stuff there's videos of me being a spokes girl for a condom website like it looks terrible the production value is crap but i'm much better with copy now not to mention <laughs> so, not to mention my film I I am so proud of Sexually Frank. Let me tell you, I, I bartend at a real-class joint called Bud's Ale House. And people go, oh, you're an actor. And well, what, what kind of film do you do? And I go, well, I have this amazing feature that just won a Director's Choice Award at the Sydney Underground Film Festival. And I don't even remember the name of the festival in Calgary. but It's Calgary Underground. Calgary Underground. I'll be sure to bring that up. Yeah. Um, but I, I loved working on Sexually Frank. First of all, I, I think you remember I flipped out when we rehearsed for a film that is such a luxury. And especially coming from a background in theater, I'm used to rehearsing a scene over and over and over and over again before it ever gets to an audience. Working in film, it's you show up and you have to be emotionally there or the film's fucked. <laughs> well, you were, I mean, you know, I've, I don't want to insult anybody I've worked with in the past, but you're, you're one of the few, probably uh, I could count on one hand, uh, studied actors that have been in my three feature films filled filled with people who act on screen, 
And so I, I, I've learned to be scared to ask for more time with people where like, I'm like, I'd love to rehearse. That would be amazing. But you know, only if you have time, but you were like, no, I like homework. Homework's important. And I like that you even used that word. Cause it was, you know, it, it implied like, um, if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to say yes to this, I'm going to do it well. Oh, and I, I think that's just so important. Acting is fun. I love doing it. That's why I have turned down full-time jobs with benefits. I'm like, no, I got to go act. Are you crazy? Yeah. There are people who are much more intuitive actors than me. There are people who start out much more talented, much more attractive. Things I can't control. But what I can do is work really, really hard on what I'm given with the tools I have. And if I'm not doing that, then why am I pursuing this dumb career? Right. Right, exactly. I mean, you have to, you have to bring it into a realistic realm <laughs> where Absolutely. where you can feel like you're working with something and not just hoping all the time. Um, well, the, the the flip side of that being, well, I'll be out with my friends and I'll start saying, "Oh, my face is a little asymmetrical. I'm too old and too fat to model. My chin is uneven on this side." And they go, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! No, it's okay. You're pretty." And I'm like, "No, I I'm very happy with how I look, but I have my." actor appraisal of myself and I know what I can go after and what's not worth my time. Yeah. So let's get into that. Cause I, that was something that, that I've, I've always respected uh, about you. And, and I think that you're very smart about is selecting your projects because there's being overly selective, um, which is obviously a bad thing for all the reasons we've already discussed. And then there's being kind of, you know, well, I want to act, I'm desperate. Um, and you, you've struck a balance there. So talk about kind of the when you first went out for independent projects. Was that in college? Um, in college, I ended up in independent projects because friends of mine were going, I'm making a movie. I need a woman. She's a metaphor. Come be in my movie. And I'd go, okay. Uh, or my roommates would go, you know, I'm making a movie about this woman who kills a priest. And I'd go, okay. Um, I was... I was very lucky. I auditioned for what I thought was an independent film the summer before my senior year. And I got cast as the leader of this group of the, the name of the show. It's called The High Hill Samurai. And it ended up being a web series. So I was uh, one of the main characters in this show. I, I have 11 episodes of it. And it was like boot camp for film. It was this is what life is like on set. Mm. These are, you know, other actors. They rehearse, they warm up, you do your acting homework with them. And it was a wonderful being broken in experience for me. I started pursuing indie film more often after, or more often, more seriously, after I came back from doing summer stock. So let's say September 2009. And there are... There, I mean, there are venues for that. I was doing that in Boston still, and that's when we still thought we were going to have that great big $500 million film studio on the South Shore that never materialized. Yeah, that was a big thing for a while. At first it was Plymouth, and then it was, um, yeah, maybe on the South End. I don't, and I mean, the, they kept saying, oh, the tax credit's going to bring more films, and turns out, like, half the states in the country also have a tax credit, so. Not to mention, two, 2009 kind of happened, which was, you know, a horrible yeah, <laughs> economic I, crash for everybody. Yeah, that, that, I don't think anyone really enjoyed that, but I, I started out even just looking on Craigslist, and then there was New England Film. Uh, there's a couple New England theater casting websites. I was doing more theater when I was back in Massachusetts. So these are all these are all classified uh, websites where you can post classified. Yes, sorry, I'm not explaining. No, this no, it's well. fine. Our... This is a this is a very important thing for um, not just 
uh, the actors out there, but also filmmakers. Um, because it seems like it's something that eludes us all for some reason. It's like this, the fucking internet exists. <laughs> the internet exists, and we can't all decide what social networking sites we want to be on. So for for budding young actors out there, you want to go on Mandy.com, because that's free. Mandy.com? Mandy.com, like like a girl named Mandy, M-A-N-D-Y.com. Mm-hmm. There's, um, I'm not sure the exact URLs, but you can Google... Is it New England Film that has the blog up? Is that where I found Sexually Frank? I yeah, think it is. yep. And it, which is, I think the, the actual URL is nefilm.com. It's been a while since I frequented the New England website since I'm now in New York City myself. I think most regions have their own version of this, don't they? I haven't the foggiest, actually. I haven't had to research it. <laughs> not not in New York? Um, in New York, everything's on the, on the big guys, so... It's free to create a profile on Actors Access, but it costs money to submit for roles. But if you're trying to work into stuff with low-level casting directors, you want to show up on Actors Access. So everyone go put your headshot and your resume up on Actors Access when you're done listening to this. I'll, I'll throw something out there from a filmmaker's perspective. We, we don't love to go through the process of putting out a classified, waiting for responses, setting up times. We would much rather like spend an entire night looking at people's reels. And, um, and so for that reason, yeah, doing what exactly what you're saying, which is getting your stuff up. Um, it, it's just going to make you more, uh, more visible. Oh, absolutely. It's hi. This is what I look like. This is how I act when I'm playing this kind of character in this situation. This is how I act in this situation. Here's my contact information. Yeah. Um, and that's so important. Coming from theater, more people want to see you in person for that. It's it, it's so easy to get ignored. So you have to put yourself out there and as ma- like you have to plant as many seeds as possible. That's what you're best at, Maya. Oh, absolutely. I'm on. I don't even know if anyone else is on stage 32, but I'm on stage 32. I'm on Actors Access. I'm on Mandy. I'm on. I'm still on New England Actor, and people still try to contact me from New England Actor, and they mm. have a sister website called big apple actor that i don't know if i'm actually on yet um and then i have a website up and then i have a professional fan page and then i have a twitter and i'd like to pretend i figured this all out myself but i totally didn't um actors at home you want to look up a woman named dallas like the place in texas travers T-R-A-V-E-R-S. She calls herself the actor's advocate, and she does free seminars over the phone, and sometimes in New York. She's based in L.A. She's a social networking genius. Granted, I have not paid full boat to do her actual classes, but what I've gotten from her free seminars alone has been super worthwhile. Mm. I I know there have been times um, where I've been looking to cast somebody in a film, and (laughs) I've been looking at what they were doing, and I'm like, oh, I should contact this person. They look pretty good. And then I go take a shit. <laughs> and then I come back. I forgot what I was doing, and that person doesn't get cast. <laughs> and so it's, it's that easy to to miss out on an opportunity. So, like, planting these seeds is great. Now, so she does well, – why does she do the, this free stuff? Just because she, she likes well, – fr- She does the free stuff, and then she tries to get you to sign up for her expensive stuff at the end of the class. And I see. if I had the resources, I would totally do that. Um but I, I, I haven't. She is a little spendy, but I'm, I'm telling you, you want to get on her free phone calls. You want to follow her on Twitter. She's a genius. So you, you did a number of, uh, of independent projects while still in Boston. Um, I, and I, you- did, I mean, I'm most proud of Sexually Frank. Um, not only were you guys great to work with and super respectful with some 
body material, let's say. But the character was the furthest from my personality that I've been cast in, and I'm extremely proud of that work and happy that you gave me that chance. No, in Boston, I was doing... I did a number of projects for students at Emerson. Um, I did... I think I did one for BU. I was shooting High Hill Samurai. The same production company who made High Hill Samurai made an independent feature film called Mission Park, The Hero Complex. What else did I shoot when I was in Massachusetts? I don't even remember. Filmmakers, if you cast actors and don't pay them, give them the footage. Please, please. Yes, oh my God. Give them the footage. This is like, very. This is what she is saying is so fucking important. I'm gonna find you bitches and slap you if you don't do what she's saying because it's something that is so obvious, so easy. Oh, I remember. I also did movies at Fitchburg State. Never saw that footage. Where's that at? We're not doing this for any money. We're doing it for the finished product. And like Frankie was saying, a reel is very, very important. So that is a form of compensation that is valid. Yes. I am happy to have footage of me acting in whatever your project is, but oh God, you have to get it to us. It's just not fair otherwise. Yeah. This, this is also kind of the same situation with, um, with, with camera people, with directors of photography, where they'll do somebody's project, even if they're not in love with the project, even if they don't necessarily get the story or even like the director, but they, they know that it's an opportunity for them to get, you know, to shoot, a movie with actors and people and locations and sets, and they can kind of package that into their reel and sell themselves with it. The problem, of course, being this is something that that uh, filmmakers are warned about all the time. Sometimes you get a DP who um, who only cares about their reel, and so they'll go over time. They'll fuck up your production because they're trying to get perfect shots for their reel. They don't really care if the whole movie gets made. Uh, I don't see how that's even possible with actors because. You know, to be cliche, acting is reacting and whatnot. And, like, it, you don't work unless the scene works. Would you agree with that? Um, absolutely. Once or twice I've seen people, I've seen actors get upset that a shot isn't flattering. It's not the right side of their face. But, no, we, we need the scene to go. We need the project to complete. We want it to screen at whatever that indie festival is so we can have another IMDb credit. Actors don't care about IMDb. Don't. It's it's not worth your time because casting directors do not care about IMDb. It's really, really cool to show your friends that you're a real actor, but that's that's all IMDb is good for. Wow, I didn't know that. I uh, one time I uh, I advised some child, the parent of a child actor, to uh, to try to rack up IMDb credits, and I was totally wrong. Um, I mean, it's it's good that you exist on IMDb, but. That's that's all all it is. It's oh my my Google footprint is marginally bigger now. Hooray! I think maybe it was a little bit more. It was a little more important a few years ago when it wasn't quite so easy to get on there. Absolutely, and that process has changed. It used to have to be that you had to screen in a public theater or something like that. Now yeah. you can just do anything as being in pre-production. Exactly. You had to you had to screen um, at an IMDb recognized venue. Yes. Uh, so either a festival, whatever, a screening series that they recognize as being valid. They've, because they partnered with without a box, which is the website for submitting uh, to festivals. Now, if you register your project on without a box, it automatically goes on, goes on IMDb. Oh, well that, that's how I got my credit with Ms. Annette Benning on IMDb. Oh, let me pick up that name. I dropped it. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a tool. It's, it's something I can show off to my parents' friends. And they go, oh, gee, you're an actor. And I'm like, look at me. I'm on the internet. And they go, oh, isn't that nice? You look so pretty in that red dress. And that's, 
the extent of its usefulness for me. And half the time they don't even know what an IMDb is. What I'm learning is I, I want to work with people who have a plan in place and who seem really invested in their projects. Like, I remember there was this one project I got cast in at Emerson that just wasn't respectful of my time. They... I, I submitted my schedule for them like a month in advance. And then they kept saying, oh, we're postponing a day. We're postponing a day. We're po postponing a day. You have to come in tomorrow. And I was like, I'm not available tomorrow. I, I told you I wasn't. They're like, oh, by the way, bring your own wardrobe because you said you owned these various. Uh, I, I have like a really nice black leather corset. I have some whatever, nice lacy black leathery things. And they're like, bring your wardrobe. Oh, and we're going to destroy it. And I'm like, why? Why would you be so disrespectful of my time and possessions? I have no desire to shoot with you. And even better, that was for a smaller role, and I didn't shoot that. And then they called me later, and they said, oh, would you like to actually play this bigger role in our film? And I was like, no, I have, I have no desire to work with you. Or there was a, a feature film in Massachusetts that wanted to call me back for the lead, and the script was just awful. Just just awful, awful masturbatory stuff. I think you uh, might have sent me that one, and I, I I was in love with it. Yeah, and the professionalism is just so important. Like, I love being around set with you. We were making nasty jokes the entire time. That's not what I mean by professional. I mean, right. you have to respect someone's time, and if you're not going to pay someone, you have to give them something worthwhile. I have no desire to be another manic pixie dream ghost girl in Nantucket or whatever. I I try to pick something with, with the writing that I like, with people who seem that they want to turn out a good product and that they have the capacity to do so. Uh, that's one of the reasons I'm so excited about my new web series, Nightwing Escalation, is I worked with a lot of that team on another pilot I was working on uh, called Losers. And I loved working with that team. I loved the script. And that directing and writing team values my creative input, which is immensely flattering. And I think you spoiled me with that. You're like, oh, what do you think about this line? And blah, blah, blah. Do you have that one? Um, you had the, the video blog for the making of Sexually Frank. What was it called? Directing the director? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So in your face. But you're saying this line wrong. That's not what your script means. I <laughs> this means because I'm the actor and you're not. I, I, I want to do that even more so. I, I, um, I think that directors, myself included, often lose sight over I mean we write these things we need to visualize them we're going to be there when we edit it and I think that we forget I think that we we know what they should look like then you know the actors the characters we know what they should look like they know we know what they should sound like um but so often I mean we we've only invented a dimension of what that character can be and and I have a very finite amount of experiences in my life and um you know, if you again using the DP as a, as an analogy for the actor, because I really do kind of want to treat them both the same way. If I were to go up to the DP and be like, um, "I need you to get a wide shot from this position," and I stood where it was, and I just said, "Just put the camera here, and I'll be happy." That, that that's really robbing. Why do you need him there? <laughs> yeah, why don't I just shoot the fucking thing? Um, and 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 it's I want to do that even more so in the writing stage with with um, you know, I'm doing this this new feature coming up soon with with a writer actually. I'm not writing it, and um. And, and we already know who, who the lead actor is. And I want him to be part of the script writing phase. I don't want him to write dialogue, but I want him to, I want us to be in the same room asking questions of one another. Yeah. Uh, I think that's extremely valuable. It, it, an, an actor really is a writer. One of the things I, I heard recently, and I just loved it, 
I was like, wow, that fucking is so obvious and simple and so perfect was uh, Brian Cranston, um, the lead actor on Breaking Bad, a show that I can't love more. Oh, oh, me too. I'm I'm desperately in love with Breaking Bad, and I don't know what I'm going to do until the last season comes out. Yeah, it's one of those horrible things where you're so glad it's ending because it means that it's going to be a great, complete story, but you're so sad. But um, he was at a... Uh, they, they sometimes do those, you know, Oscar or Emmy-nominated actors and directors roundtables, and he was doing... Uh, it's on YouTube. Um... The, he, he was, at, you know, Brian Cranston was part of this roundtable and they said, you know, when did you kind of change your attitude towards acting? And he said, I remember I used to stress out um, and get really sweaty and nervous and anxious because I didn't know whether or not I would get the part that I was auditioning for. And then I just changed my thinking a little bit where I said, it's not my job to get the part. It's my job to take the text that I was handed, interpret a character out of it and show it to them. Because oh, Yeah. And, and I, I can I can attest to this as a director writer. Sometimes like our whole thing is like, well, I won't know until I see it. Show me what I'm looking for. I don't know what I'm looking for. I no, think you can never beat yourself up about why you don't get a role. Like if you obviously fuck something up, if you, I don't know, develop a stutter or if you're at a musical theater audition and you didn't vocally warm up, fine, that's on you. But you could look like the director's bitchy ex-girlfriend. You it's your job to breathe life into the text and make bold character choices with that. And if you do that well and you do it in depth, then that's your job. It's, it's your job to get seen. Right. And, and that's all you can do. Uh, there's a metaphor I have stolen from my retail job uh, about the, the Zen archer where, you, you know, if you have a, someone who's very practiced in archery and can hit the bullseye over and over and over again, should, you know, be able to tie a blindfold around your eyes, go through the exact same muscle movements, and have faith that it will land. You you can't control every casting decision. Uh, you can't control what the director thinks. All you can do is do the work and show up and continue to do the work and hope that you find the right projects. Yeah, yeah. And, and you got to get beyond this idea that um, a job pays. Like, I think a lot of times we think of ourselves as like, well, if I don't get paid for it, it's not my job. Well, no. Instead, put yourself in the situation of, like, what does an actor do? An actor interprets text and, and, and provides a character. That is your job. You might not get paid to do it, you know? No, no. I, I try to think about it as I always want to be making good work. Yeah, right. If it pays me, that's great. I'd like it to pay me more. That That is the end goal. But right now, it's my MO to make good work whenever possible. Yeah, right. Um, I remember when we did first meet, when we had our, our first audition, aside from, uh, the fact that like in the first five minutes, I was like, oh, we have a lot of the same interests, meaning she's going to go for this, which is great. Yeah. I remember you were at a place where you weren't positive that you wanted to do unpaid work at that time. You, you wanted to make sure that all of your unpaid work was well selected. Yeah. How do yeah. you, I mean, how, how do you figure a thing like that out without meeting the people? Um, Honestly, a project description, I can usually tell a lot about personality type from how something's written up or if someone sends me sides from the script. Um, I think I stopped accepting unpaid theater. I think that mm. was the big decision I made. And even the theater I was doing in Boston wasn't paying me that much because, well, you know, theater. But I think I was trying to be a little more discriminating because... It is nice to be in a situation where a lot of people want to work with me, but 
like for instance, right now in New York, because it's the holiday season, I have two jobs. One of my jobs is going to go away at the end of the week, and I am very pleased about that. I will have free time again. But I'm working seven days a week. Um, right now I'm shooting... Uh, we shot our little mini episode of Nightwing, but we're going to start with the new season soon. I'm shooting a short film. We have one more big scene left on Losers. I only have so many hours in the day, and I want to know that my time's going to be well spent with other people who are working hard. I don't want my whatever I work on to disappear into the ether. I want it to be things that I'm proud to show to other people and that I can use to land more work in the future. And through, I guess, my three years of experience trying to do this professionally, I've kind of figured out some things that indicate whether something's a good idea or a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I don't have everything figured out, but I, I've been pleased with how I've been doing so far. But the the issue is also um, one of marketing. Like, I love a lot of my footage from High Heel Samurai, but the fact that I've lost weight means that if I put that on my reel, then some casting directors will think that I'm too fat for television, which sucks. Um, And I wish that weren't part of the beast, but I think you really do have to be aware of your image and this... It's, it's a very strange culture. Like, I didn't lose weight on purpose. I didn't lose weight by dieting or working out, but it's something that's lauded within, like, the female community. So a lot of my coworkers will go, oh, my God, how are you skinny? We'll have to talk about it later. And I'm like, if I were overweight, you would not feel comfortable bringing up my body. But since I'm th- something that's idolized, well, yeah, I'm skinny. Okay, I'll tell you my big secret. I moved to New York City, so I started walking everywhere instead of driving. I stopped drinking soda, and I had a traumatic breakup. That's my secret. Don't you feel great, you ask? But, like, isn't, it, but isn't it funny that, like, it's always controversial to bring up somebody's weight, even if it's, you know, in the positive, uh, even if it's thin, because you are saying you used to be less good. Like You used to be less good, but now you're good. Right, right. I'm glad you're good, and it's... I mean, obviously, they say the camera adds 10 pounds, and that the phrase doesn't really help me. I, I like to think of it more as, in real life, we have depth perception. So my eyes are set this distance apart. I can tell that you have this curvature to your waist, and you're a 3D person. And if someone's on television, you lose that depth perception, so they get smushed out. That, 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 so, that's pretty accurate for, uh, for a non-technical actor. That's very good. The, uh, of course, lensing changes everything, too. Also, also that. Also that. Um, so I, I understand that you... I think the standard in most of the audition books I've read is that you want to be five pounds underweight or 50 pounds overweight. And in the middle, there is no room to cast you. Um, <laughs> it's funny you not- say that. I went, when I was in LA, um, I was much bigger. And, um, and I, so I was kind of a, like a, like a crazy looking person. Like I, like I could, I had a very definite look to myself and people wanted to cast me in more horror films and more comedies. And I lost some weight and they're like, well, now you just look normal. <laughs> yeah, you're not like fat and weird enough. You're not the fat, funny friend. Now right. you're just the regular guy we know. Right. Why'd you do that? I I couldn't, you know, as as thick skinned as as I like to think I am. I don't think that I could um I could put up with that kind of physical scrutiny that that an actor has to put up with. I have to put up with some emotional scrutiny when they look at my words and they look at what I decided to film and what I put all my effort into. But but to be you know literally poked apart, uh, I don't think I could That's... do it. It becomes relevant, so it is everyone's business, so it is their business to talk about it. Like, all of wardrobe has to know what size you are, and then, well, gee, if you're doing stunt stuff, can this guy, fireman, carry you over his arm, or is that going to be an issue? Um, it's there because it is relevant, and I think you really have to make peace with that yourself. I, I do not know how people 
with with poor body image or perpetually on a diet, I can't imagine being under that stress every day. I I really can't. I think I'd explode. Yeah. Well, I mean, it it, it seems to me like the the actors that can deal with it um, look at their body as a moldable character tool. (laughs) Yeah, it's okay. This is my body. I... I'm going to go play my new Connect workout game until I have some nice, better abs. And then I'm going to go out and see if I can find any representation for pilot season. Okay, good plan. It's like, this is... Until my... I pl- until I play it, until I play an Oscar-winning fat girl part. And right? I'll... Well, uh, that's going to have to come back around because we all already did ugly Oscar. Did we do a fat Oscar or was it just ugly Oscar for Monster? Oh yeah, ugly, ugly, definitely. Um, Billy Barry got an ugly Oscar too. We've done skinny men, Christian Bale, multiple times now. Yeah, did he get an Oscar for any of those though? He did for um for the uh the fighter there, uh yeah the oh, fighter. Oh, the fighter. Sorry, I was thinking the machinist, and I was like, I don't think he got an Oscar. No, no. you're right. And he lost even more weight for that fucking movie. Uh, well, he's a crazy man. Uh. I read an interview where they were just asking, well, did, did you work with a nutritionist? Because whenever actors get really skinny, they talk about it in their PR. And they're like, well, you know, I worked really hard to make sure I was losing weight healthily to look like an emaciated skeleton. Yeah, okay. <laughs> He's like, no, I didn't talk to anybody. I just ate an apple and a can of tuna every day and I got skinny. It's like, how do you do that? Because realistically, if you went to the doctor and were like, I'm looking to be unhealthy, he wouldn't be like, he'd be like, well. The doctor would be like, cool. All right. All right. I got that. Your doctor would be like, no, eat food. You're a person. <laughs> yeah, I think the doctor would be like, you should probably do the healthy thing in life. <laughs> <laughs> Not the movie thing. Um, oh, health. What is that? So, so you're, you're kind of, you're doing a uh, night wing, which is, um, uh, which is Batman inspired. It is what it sounds like. Yes. It's, it's in the it's set in the DC universe. And the first episode, Batman has to go take care of justice league stuff. So we don't see too much of him, but I play black canary, um, lesser, no lesser known character, but still to, to geeks, they definitely know who she is. Well, geeks totally know her. I think she was rated like number 85 hottest superhero. Sorry. How did you get hooked up with those guys? Uh, from okay, so I I auditioned for a pilot called Losers, and actually Losers was my second audition in a row this summer, where they gave me a sword in the audition room. Now, granted, this wasn't a callback. Two auditions in a row where they gave me a sword. That is a perfect casting niche for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, snarky action hero, blunt objects. What's better than that? Yeah. Um, and Losers is from mostly the same team of people but i think they're under different production company names so oh no i don't remember who's making losers but the the writer and director his name is carlos del rosario and from working on losers i met alex valderano who is the co-writer and director of nightwing escalation um he just sent me a text one day they had originally cast someone else's black canary and she couldn't do it for whatever reason. So I just saw a text on my phone. It was, hey, do you want to be Black Canary? And I was like, obviously I do want to work with you more. Let's go make a web series. It looks like it's it's going to be fairly well viewed or is already fairly well viewed. Um, Yes. And we just got our second big shout out from Gail Simone, who wrote my character for years and years in Birds of Prey. Um, nerd community. That's, that's something the nerds care about, but there, I'm there was about a seven, a seven episode WB web series, uh, not web series, but WB television series. We don't talk about that. There is a lovely comic book series. Um, I don't, did Gail Simone write for the TV show too? I don't I remember. Highly, highly doubt it. Um, but she actually saw our most recent mini episode that we had up during our fundraising campaign. And she said it was very impressive. 
And that was very exciting. That's huge. That's huge. Yeah. Um, so we're kind of wrapping up, um, but that sounds like a really great project. I'm glad you're no, on that. Thanks for leading me into that. Uh, ask me about my project so I can rustle up some, some new followers. That's appreciated. <laughs> the final thing I want to ask you um, is I feel like you've been through a lot just in the last three or four years um, from wh- where you wanted to be to where you are. And I think you've really kind of ho- started to hone in. What, what would you tell yourself three or four years ago? What, you know, it, stupid Maya, what would you tell stupid Maya? Well, stupid Maya thought that A, she was going to immediately get discovered and B, that acting was about, oh, what are all the different things I can do? And the biggest thing that I have learned is that casting is about being yourself. It's not about the, like, as much as I love Johnny Depp, 95% of casting is not about, oh, well, what, what, persona can I meticulously craft it's I need to be myself and showcase myself and that's when people like me and cast me and respond to my work is when I bring my Mayaness I'm making air quotes Mayaness to it yeah and I would have tried to convince myself to do that a whole lot earlier and I think everyone else should try to bring themselves to the table because because it's going to be much more interesting and organic than any fake person you could come up with in your head I, I I've I've experienced the same thing where I've like right now, I'm I'm possibly up for for a cool writing job, and um, I, I heard would, about that. Pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, and and I was you know at first like maybe I need to try to give them what I think they want, and then I just was like the only reason I'm being contacted is because they like what I do, and I should just do what I do, and if they don't like that, then then they're not for you. Then and that's yeah. Fine. Right. I mean, it's, it just goes back to the Brian Cranston thing of like, my job is to do what I think is best. And there are, there'll, there'll be another project where that's the case for if there never is, then I'll make my own. Um, and yeah, you, you, are you still interested in possibly directing your own stuff? Is that something that might come down the pike someday? Um, I, you, you have been telling me to direct stuff since Sexually Frank, or since we were shooting Sexually Frank. And I've started putzing around with writing a bit more. Um, or producing, or producing. Obviously, there's the the setback of equipment. I want to take all these classes with agents, but I also want to buy a camera. But then I don't have a sound kit. Do I find someone with a sound kit? Like, I whereas writing is something I I can manage in these little nuggets. And I I do have a couple projects I'd like to self produce in the next year, but one thing at a time. <laughs> that iPhone looks pretty good. I've made a number of video blogs with it, and it sounds and looks pretty good. I know it sounds so dorky to be like shoot a movie on an iPhone, but fuck, man, it actually kind of works. Uh, yeah, I, well, I've seen, I think there was a film festival that was exclusively iPhone movies. Oh, really? Um, well, I, I, I didn't attend, but I read about it on the internet, so it must be real. Um, but no, I, I think first I'll, I'll write some projects, and then I'll try to rustle up my friends who have equipment and figure stuff out from there. Yeah, I mean, I'm, in, I'm just interested to see what kind of opportunities you would give yourself. Um, I think that that's always really interesting to see with actors. And I've, I mean, like just historically actors turn, oh, well, turn directors are always it, good. My, one of my other favorite name dropping stories when I was, oh dear, I remember my hair was red. So it couldn't have been when I was at Sarah Lawrence. No, I was at Ithaca at the time. So I mean, this is maybe 2005. There was a revival of Three Penny Opera on Broadway starring Alan Cumming and Anna Gosteyer and Jim Dale. And the most recent translation was done by Wallace Shawn. Uh, most of you know Wallace Shawn as Vicini from The Princess Bride and a variety of voices in Toy Story, but he's actually been a prolific playwright for years and years. And 
We're there at the second night of previews, and I have on this gold sequin blazer because I've seen Rocky Horror too many times. And he's just hanging out in a parka. My dad's like, hey, look, it's the author, man. You should go talk to him. And for once, I'm just like, starstruck? I don't get nervous often or easily, but I'm just like, I, I don't know how I'd start this conversation. So I grabbed my sister, who is another 5'9 Irish girl. I'm just like, Erin, you have to say hi, Mr. Sean. You have to say hi, Mr. Sean. So I drag her over and, you know, she says hi, Mr. Sean, and we talk to him. He's, you know, waiting for his brother so they can watch his play on Broadway. And he talked to us for like half an hour and he just kept saying, well, these days, and I think he was speaking more about theater, but I think it applies to film, is you should make your own work. You're going to make the work that's best for you and you have the most control over it. Like, no one's going to come along and hand you the work you want to do. If you really want to do something, you should make it yourself. And it took me years to realize that he was so right. Yeah, it, it, it's a really, and especially, like, you know, the thing that I'll I'll keep saying with my fist in the air is, like, it's just so, so fucking easy to make a movie. Um <laughs> So even actors can do it. Um, very cool. So where, if, if somebody listens to this, if they're a director, if they're just interested, uh, where should they go? Um, you know, if they want to cast you, who should they contact? Oh, my last name is Murphy, which makes my name Maya, M-A-Y-A, Murphy, M-U-R-P-H-Y. Now, my website is my first name, then a dash, then my last name, dot com. Uh, and then there's... My professional Facebook page, which is Maya Murphy. I think it says actor slash singer. You can follow me on Twitter at Maya Axe. Like Maya's an actor, so it's M-A-Y-A-A-C-T-S. Um, I think those are the things I update the most often. Cool. Uh, I, I have a new website in the works, but I recently broke my laptop charger, so that, that got a little postponed. But I'm, I'm good at updating the professional Facebook page the most often. So they should look me up there, uh, and they are welcome to contact me for any kind of casting opportunities. I have a fancy new demo reel edited by one Mr. Frankie Frayne because he constantly helps me and is just wonderful. That's very kind. Uh, caster, folks, she's a lot of fun to work with. She's extremely dedicated, and uh, she knows her way around the scenes. Maya, thanks for doing this. This was a lot of fun. Oh, no worries. Thanks for asking me, Frankie. We will talk soon. Cool. Bye. Bye.